everybody. Welcome back to Over Under the Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Schatzer, and I'm here today with my co-host, Craig Mesmer. Hello, Craig. How are you doing, my friend? Hello, Schatzer. What's happening, man? How you, uh, hey, how's it been going? Good. Happy Wednesday to you. Uh, here we are, uh, end of February, getting close to March Madness, Craig. I know you're excited, as uh, hopefully most people are after not having it last year, but, you know, college basketball season, full swing. Yeah, last year was tough. I mean, I missed, in addition to pro football and pro basketball, I mean, two of the events that I really look forward to each year, number one is the NFL draft, and number two is the college basketball March Madness tournament. There's nothing like it. It's two weeks of, you know, games packed into a crazy schedule, crazy highlights, everything else. I really missed it last year. Looking forward to getting back to it. This year, so we decided we're going to talk a little college basketball for this show, episode four, only college basketball, or maybe, you know, things related to college basketball, but pretty much uh, getting away from the football focus, not quite ready for baseball just yet, although we touched about that, touched upon that last episode, but right now, like you said, we are fully locked and loaded for college basketball, and it's interesting, you bring a background, you've lived in North Carolina, you've lived in... Alabama for college football you get a lot of you have a lot of experience down there and now you're in Louisville and for everybody out there that's not from there it's not Louisville it's Louisville <laughs> Louisville right? That's right Louisville Louisville so you're in you know you've you've been in Kentucky you've been in North Carolina I guess the only place you still need to move to in terms of basketball powerhouses and basketball craziness is Indiana which by the way is where all of this year's NCAA tournament is going to be played in about six or seven different arenas and stadiums and everything else solely in Indiana because of COVID, because of the travel, because of everything else. So this year's college tournament will have a little bit different look to it. What are you thinking about as we head on our march toward March Madness? Well, the first thing is I'm never going to move to Indiana. Indiana is like that's one state <laughs> that I'm not a big fan of Indiana. Uh, the drivers there aren't very good. I have some friends from Indiana. You know, we actually met some people at the beach a couple years ago who live in Indiana, like right across the river from us. And Tiffany, the wife, actually went to high school uh, in Oldham County where we live. So it's kind of, that's like the only person from Indiana that I actually claim as a friend. Otherwise, Indiana's bad. But you're right. I like the plan that they're going to have with Indiana. I mean, one site, you know, different, like I guess they're going to use like Butler and, you know, different universities like that, their facilities to play the play in games. You know, you're right, though. I missed it last year. Uh, you know, we grew up in the era of college basketball being big in the Big East. Remember when the Big East and the ACC oh, sure. were the Big East, the ACC were the top marquee conferences in terms of basketball talent. Big I mean, East, especially from where it is now to where it used. I mean, I was a, I was a huge Georgetown fan. So yes. you had the one year in nineteen eighty five. I mean, you had Villanova, Georgetown, and St. John's all in the Final Four. Oh yeah, and Memphis State. And they used to be called Memphis State. Memphis. Yes. Memphis State was also there, but they were kind of the you know we just need a fourth team to round out the Big East tournament here but great matchups you know ewing and mullen and walter berry and just you know you know washington great well, memories you know i remember when i was in high school you know chambersburg where i grew up their big rival was carlisle and carlisle was the home of billy owens you sure. know, billy, billy owens and his brother michael owens and jeff lebo all played on the same high school team so you have wow. an, eight, an all acc guard at north carolina jeff lebo michael owens went to syracuse to play football and Billy always went to Syracuse to play basketball. But I remember we were in high school, and I didn't play high school basketball. I'm not very good at basketball. I like basketball. My son Luke's pretty good at basketball. Is your son Ryan's good at basketball? You know, so we're, we should probably touch about amateur basketball in terms of sure. as it affects college too. I, you know, it was a good talking point. But I remember a bunch of my high school friends were basketball players. You know, shout out to my man Cornell Keith and Linvis McLeod. They might be listening. You never know. But anywho. Uh, we went to the Syracuse Georgetown game at the Capitol Center in Washington D.C. and watched Billy Owens play in college. And he was really in high school. He was dominant. You know, imagine Billy Owens playing against your high school team. You know, sure. and that, that Carlisle team was legit, anyways. But Billy Owens was like, you know, he was having trouble with the S SAT score at the time. So my school, we were chatting like SAT. You know, right. Total douchebags. You know, but. Uh, I think he got the tip that he tipped it to somebody out on the outlet. They fed him down low and he like dunked it and like did the shh sign in front of our fans, you know, and that's so, you know, him going to the big East, he was a big time player from my area back home. You know, you're, you grew up in the heart of the big East. I mean, 
You know, you, could probably, you probably could have went to St. John's if you wanted to, you know, really, if you wanted to commute into the city, you know, if you had to, I guess you could. I don't, I don't know how that works up there, but. <clears throat> didn't, have, didn't have quite enough game. I couldn't, I couldn't knock Mark Jackson <laughs> off his starting point guard uh, role. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, so we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about college basketball. We're going to talk about the present situation with what March Madness is going to look like this year and the, the unique nature of this year's college basketball season. We talked a little bit about taking maybe a stroll down memory lane and talking as we've already started to talking about, you know, the 1980s was a tremendous time for college basketball and we'll come back to it. I think there's one key reason for that. So we'll kind of tease that to the audience. We'll come back to that. And then maybe we'll wrap up and talk a little bit about amateur high school basketball. I have some thoughts on that and a couple interesting stories when we talk about Indiana and we talk about some of the great high school teams of all time, we'll drop a little knowledge on the listening audience about those topics. But let's, let's stick with this year's March Madness tournament. You got Gonzaga is the number one team in the country pretty much unanimously. They haven't lost yet. I believe Baylor still has not lost. So you got two, you got a very top heavy, two undefeated teams. Gonzaga, a program that hasn't been able to get out there and get the final, you know, get the final ring, but they've been close many times. Baylor up and coming. You almost think Baylor more in terms of what was her name? Brittany Griner in the women's program at Baylor yeah. dominating. Not right. quite to the level of UConn, I mean, but you know, Baylor, let's stop there. Baylor, I mean, their program has risen itself. I mean, they were almost like dead, like the death penalty with they had some crimes being committed. There was a murder around the program and some coaches. Like, they almost got the death penalty in basketball. And now here they are, I don't know, six, seven years later. Now they're one of the preeminent teams in the country. So just right. what they've done at, at Baylor alone is just amazing to me. But, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, there was like a murder involved with some players of another player. I I'm not sure of the story, but, you know, I don't follow Baylor close enough. Maybe I should if we're going to do this for a living, talk about other people's programs. We should probably do more research. But, you know, hey <clears> – <throat> Good for them. You know, Baylor's a good program. I've seen them play. You know, uh, that Big 12 basketball is kind of like Big 12 football. A lot of offense, not much defense. You know, it's, it's and, exciting. And, and it's, it's nice to see somebody else. And I was, you know, Danny and the Miracles, Danny Manning. Kansas seems to win the Big 12 every year. I mean, there's one team in the Big 12 that is always head and shoulders above everybody else. So right. it's nice. To, you know, Oklahoma has some teams. You might get another team in there. Texas Tech has a year where they make the Final Four. But for the most part, it's Rock Chalk Jayhawk every year in the Big 12. It's kind of nice to see another team challenge them a little bit. Although, you know, Kansas has as much basketball trip. When we talk about Indiana, we talk about Kentucky, we talk about the teams in North Carolina, Kansas stands right there with them in terms of the great programs of all time along UCLA, Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, you know the list, but Kansas is right there. It is good to see another team challenging them. I think this is a very wide open tournament. We talked about Gonzaga and Baylor being two heavy favorites and being, uh, there'll be number one seeds, no doubt, unless something drastic happens in the the last couple weeks here. Um, so let's just catch up. Selection Sunday is going to be March 14th this year. Okay. The first four, usually they started on, a, you know, they do two games on Tuesday, two games on Wednesday. That's going to change a little bit. So the first four this year, which I'm not a, what are your thoughts on that? Having those four play-in games. Do you like those games or not I so do. much? I mean, you know, I, <laughs> there's 240 Division One basketball teams to only pick 64 to make the playoffs. I mean, I know everyone says, "Oh, we've got the mentality that everyone makes the playoffs, everyone gets a trophy." But you know, it's exciting. You know, I I, I like it. I, I do like right, playing. Fair games. enough. So you know. that's gonna that's gonna start on Thursday the 18th. All four games will be that night, I guess. The first round, the traditional you know opening round of the tournament, will be that Friday and Saturday. Second round, that Sunday and Monday, which is a little bit different because now they're going into Monday to play the second round. Uh, because they're using Thursday for the first four. So everything's shifting a little bit. Right. Um, Sweet 16, now we're at the end of March. Fast forward, the final four is going to be on Saturday, April 3rd. And then the championship game, as normal, will be that following Monday, 9 o'clock, for all ah. the marbles. And who's going to cut down the nets? And, you know, will it be Gonzaga and Bale? Here's, here's what makes this season interesting. You have a lot of teams that have played a vastly different number of games based on what their conference could handle, when they wanted to start, COVID issues, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. All you have these top two. After that, to me, the field is wide open. Oh, and yeah. if you get, if you get, if you're Iowa and Luca Garza, not to wish anything bad on it, Luca, you get a top player. I won't even name a guy by name. You get a top player. You get your starting point guard and your first guy off the bench, who's one of your top big men, and they come down with COVID 24 hours before tip off. 
your team is screwed. I mean, this is no best of seven. This is one and done. You lose, you go home, and your championship run is over. So I think it's going to be a very wide-open tournament. I think if you look at the betting odds from Vegas, other than the top two, like I said, Gonzaga and Baylor are right up there. Michigan has pretty low odds. After that, it's basically throw darts at a wall and pick somebody that you think might get hot and might have some, you know, some good guard play always plays well. You want senior leadership, which nowadays is almost unheard of because everybody's right. one and done, it seems like. Uh-huh. Now, here's my question. What if it – okay, so you mentioned the, the thing about, the say, your point guard and your backup small forward test positive. Does the whole team have to quarantine now and you forfeit? Is that? Is, I mean, that's yeah, – like, you know, I don't know. Is, I don't know the answer is, to that. I'm not sure anybody knows the answer to that until they deal with it right then and there on the spot. And you know, this is the, that's the coach and me talking now. That all right, I got this team and we're pretty good. An Alabama, you know, Alabama's, you know, not not many people are talking about Alabama being a contender. But I mean, you know, when their threes are hitting, you know, they live by the three. Right. You know, when their they're threes are hitting, yeah. you know, when they're hitting threes all night, they're they're scoring 112 points. When they're not hitting threes, they lose 62-58. You know what I mean? So they're they're good they're a good basketball team. You know, everyone always said Alabama's a football school, but you know, this year they're pretty good basketball wise. Texas Tech, you know, Luke, my son Luke loves that Mitch McClung dude. That's his that's his guy. Like I've watched more Texas Tech basketball games this year than ever. Because Luke wow. likes to watch Mitch McClung, and you know Amy doesn't care to watch basketball too much on TV. So, like usually at night, whenever like ESPN is playing a college basketball game, if Mitch McClung's on at Texas Tech, we end up watching it. Whoever they're playing, you know, Oklahoma State's solid. They got that one dude that's pretty good too. You know, so there's some good teams out there. You know, not much mention of Duke. Duke might not make the tournament. Kentucky might not make the tournament. I mean, that's a sh- that we got to talk about that right there in itself. That uh, you know, North Carolina's on the bubble. You know. Uh, and, and right there, you're, you're talking about three of the biggest programs of all time. When you talk about Duke, North Carolina, and Kentucky, in my opinion, just throw UCLA in, and you got your all-time you know, final four of great college basketball programs. It would be right. hard to unseat any of those four. No offense yes. to Louisville. No offense to Kansas. Michigan right. State. St. John's has a rich tradition. You know, Georgetown had its run. UConn has four national. But there is... You know, right. a Mount Rushmore, if you want to put the Mount Rushmore on things, I think Duke, North Carolina, UCLA, and of course, Kentucky would be right there. Um, it should be an interesting tournament. It's going to be fast and loose. I hope that the opening round has some upsets. You know, one of my favorite memories, if, you, if we take, a, like we said, a little stroll down memory lane, just seeing those opening round games where you get a four against a 13 or a five against a 12 and a team that you've never heard of. And all of a sudden, they come through and have this great game, and somebody hits a game-winning shot, like Bryce Druid, who's at Valparaiso, right? His dad was the coach. They were down one point with five seconds left, and they actually ran a play that him and his dad invented in the backyard growing up where they kicked it to somebody flashing high. He trailed (laughs) behind, caught it at midcourt in perfect stride, hits a game. I mean, to me, that's what college – the college basketball tournament is all about getting moments like that, whether it's Leitner's shot, you know, sorry for any Kentucky fans out there, but Leitner's right. shot was an epic moment and the end to just an, one of the best college basketball games of all, probably the best game I've ever seen start to finish. Just well, a tremendous know, game. Scott, Scott Drew, head coach, Baylor University. I mean, he's got, he knows about the passion of, you know, the final four and all that, the big shot. So, you know, I mean, Baylor might be, you know, not a thing. They might not be a bad choice there. I don't know. Um, ACC's quiet. Louisville's very up and down. You know, Kentucky, you know, Kentucky's the type of team that's going to win the SEC tournament in Nashville and, and, and backdoor their way into the tournament and, and be dangerous. You know, Calipari's going to do screw up just enough to win a tournament game or two and get in and be dangerous and screw up everyone's bracket, though. You know, it's it's hard to say. Um, not much coming from what's who's good in the West besides Gonzaga. You know who else is out there? I mean, you know UCLA is like you said up and down. You know there's a lot of good teams that are coming out of Texas. Uh, University of Texas is pretty good. You know Shaka Smart still has has them finally going in the right direction, if I'm not mistaken. You know uh, UConn. They're, they're, well, you mentioned Alabama. Alabama right now is sixth in the country. There's yes. a lot of there's a lot of big after the after the big two Gonzaga and Baylor. Who are right now, I believe, thirty-nine and zero, or maybe forty and zero combined, based wow. on if anybody played last night. But then you have a bunch of Big Ten teams. You got Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, Iowa, who was a preseason top choice because they got Luca Garza, maybe the best player in the country this year. 
big man huh. in the middle. He's um, pretty good. Yeah, I, I like him. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got solid numbers. The guy's been there for four years. Yep. Um, which, like we said, you don't you don't see. I think that's part of the problem that when we were growing up, college basketball was just about the best sport going, and you were able to follow it year to year so much better. You know, if, if I was a Georgetown fan when Patrick Ewing was on his way in, and you heard of all the all the pomp and circumstance about this kid from Ringe and Latin up in Massachusetts, this big seven foot monster that's blocking every shot and no one can guard him. You watched him develop all four years. He was in the finals three years. One year, in his freshman year, he played against Michael Jordan. In his junior year, he played against Akeem at that point, Olajuwon. And then in his great senior year, the 85 team, and they lose to Villanova in one of the great championship games. It seemed like there was a great championship game every year, whether it was NC State with their big upset over Houston, whether it was uh, Danny Manning making the run with Kansas, whether it was the Georgetown teams and f the ultimate uh, Cinderella story in Villanova for all our Philly boys and Pearl and everybody out there that loves Villanova so much. It seemed like there were great games every year, and I think a big part of it was because these guys stayed for all four years. You know, if, Z if Zion Williamson right now was a junior at Duke and about to lead the the Blue Devils as a number one seed looking for, you know, back-to-back -back titles or whatever it might be. What a great story that is. But all these guys, right. they play one year. They don't even play the whole year sometimes. They leave right. or they get injured or they decide to sit out if it gets too hard and they don't want to mess up the money. And it just, it just really, I think, drains what college basketball used to be all about because it used to be a real it's, – it's still a great sport, but to me it used to be a magical sport this time yes. of year especially. Well, yeah, you know, it. it ha I tend to agree. I don't have as much luster, although you, know, you mentioned I live here in Louisville, you know, U of L and UK, you know, big rivals. But you know, it just both programs have kind of fallen on hard times. You know, Louisville with the, just the damn scandals they've had. Now UK this year's struggled. Everyone's on Calipari's back. All this, you know, a lot of people are starting to get tired here in Big Blue Nation of these guys that are one and dones and leaving. You know, and Calipari, you know, he defends it. Brings these kids in for one or two. And he's, there's a lot of talent in the NBA that played at Kentucky. I mean, the list is, you know, extensive. You know, I'm, oh, absolutely. I'm, not a, I'm not a Kentucky fan, you know, but Carl Anthony Towns, John Wall, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, what's the dude's name down in Phoenix? The, the guy that's Devin Booker. Devin you know, Booker. You know, there's, there's talent up and down the rosters, you know, uh, of the NBA teams that are Kentucky fans. But, you know, they're all one and dones there. You know, one or two years at the most. If they didn't play much their first year and things didn't work out, they stuck it out. But, you know, a lot of one and dones at UK. Carolina has a few one and dones. Every once in a while, Carolina get that three or four year dude that, you know, the, the May guy with the big thick eyebrows for Carolina. He was there like, for like seven years. Like, I right. feel like he, he had extra eligibility, you know, made that a good program. So, Tyler you know, Hansborough, he was a great player for Carolina. Right. Psycho T. Yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> so. I'm excited for the tournament. I mean, you're, it, it's anyone's ball game. I mean, do we start throwing out, you know, possible picks now, or do we wait and, and watch the last couple of tournaments? I mean, you said March 14th. That gives us three weeks to to watch. The, I guess are they doing conference tournaments? Is every conference with a conference tournament? You know, that's that's a question. You know, what might happen? I mean, not having the tournament last year, it, it just ending so abruptly. The season ending so abruptly last year. Right. You know, hope, hopefully people get behind it. I mean, you know. The money lost itself on 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 brackets and stuff like that, online betting. Of you know, just imagine how much money. I mean, people don't realize how much money was lost during not having March Madness. You know, oh, I'm it's saying, a billion dollar industry. Every yeah. CBS pays a ridiculous amount of money for that contract, and and they should because the the sponsorships, the commercials that go, everybody's eyes are glued to the set. Especially when you get some of those marquee matchups, you get an upset that's about to happen. You see the little scroll on the bottom, and man, there's three teams that are in danger right now of being bounced from a tournament that you had in your Final Four bracket. You want to watch right. and see what's going to happen. Right. I mean, now as we as we leave out of as we start getting out of quarantine, you know, I think maybe by April here, schools in Kentucky might be back in, you know, full time. Hopefully, I will see. But are people going to watch? Are, are you excited to watch the tournament game since there's you know back to sports, back to reality? I mean, I can't wait. I mean. I remember living in North Carolina that during the ACC tournament, teachers would roll TVs out in the classroom and kids would be watching the ACC tournament on Jefferson Pilot Sports. 
I mean, you know, and then we'd watch the first round of, of of the tournament on Thursday and Friday. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have been doing that back in the classroom, but we'd watch we'd watch we'd watch some basketball. It's tournament time, baby. You know, and right. now people watch on their computers as kids are like working on their computers in the lab in my class. They're, they're watching basketball in the in the bottom script, which I get. It's it's March Madness. You know, it's it's March Madness. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I, I think some of the details with I would let's hold off on making any picks until we see the brackets come out. Let's see how the season ends for some of these teams. I mean, like we said, things can change in a 24 hour window based on a team comes down and is all of a sudden heavily under quarantine or is losing their best player or even an injury, just like it happened any year. That doesn't necessarily have to be anything related to COVID. But I think you want to look at the teams that are getting hot. I think you want to always look at guard play especially these days, you got to be able to shoot the ball in any, at, whether we're talking NBA, whether we're talking AAU high school level, you got to be able to shoot the basketball. Cause if you play a team that's draining threes and you're missing twos, well, the math adds up pretty quickly. You're going to lose the game. <laughs> right. So you got to be able to shoot it. You need good guards. And I think you need some senior hitty leadership, or at least some, you know, some, some guys that have been there for a couple years that when the game gets tight and they usually do, Someone's there to control the ball and milk the clock and know exactly what to do and be that extra coach on the floor. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. Why don't we uh, take a quick break here? You're listening to episode four of Over Under with Schatzer and Mesmer. We're going to come back. We're going to continue to talk about college basketball, continue to talk about March Madness. We'll share some thoughts and maybe delve into some high school and amateur basketball stories as well. Stay tuned. We'll be right back to Over Under. Welcome back. You are listening to episode four of Over Under, a sports podcast by Craig Mesmer and Mike Schatzer. Today's focus is on college basketball. We started the show out by running down where we are here in the 2020-2021 unusual season, but at least unusual in some regards, but usual that we will have a March Madness basketball tournament, knock on wood. Let's hope Can't that wait. doesn't change. Can't wait. I think we're all like in agreement Scott, there. Can't wait. We need it. We need a big time. We were missing it last year. We've missed a we missed a lot of stuff. So let's let's hope that this goes we get all what is it, sixty seven games or whatever they're gonna play. Let's hope they all get, you know, tipped off in the final basket without too much uh too much problems associated with it. Let's shift gears a little bit, chats. We talked about we're both about the same age, growing up in the eighties and the nineties, college basketball was huge. We were talking a little bit before about the dominance of the Big East, how the ACC then was maybe the killer conference, kind of like how SEC is in football right now. Nobody can unseat the SEC. What are some of your best memories of college basketball and the tournament growing up as a kid? Well, you know, just like you said, ACC basketball, like, like I said, I mentioned before, you know, Jeff Lebo was from, you know, he played my conference in high school. He played at Carlisle. So watched him go to Carolina, you know, watching the Carolina going to the ACC, going to the, the tournament and doing well, even after Michael, ja uh, Michael Jordan, I was said Michael Jackson, even after Michael Jordan, you know, Carolina's been good. I mean, you look at the programs of, of the past. I mean, the sixties was, you know, UCLA sixties and seventies was UCLA, the dominance in the tournament. How many championships did John Wooden win there? I mean, I think, I think 11, I believe 11. 11. Yeah. 10, 11 rings the bell. I mean, that's, that's dominance. Then, you know, so that's the sixties and the seventies. Then the eighties, you know, you mentioned the big East was huge. You know, senior leadership, different type of basketball, you know, more inner city basketball with the Big East. You know, you got those kids from New York and Washington, D.C. and Boston area. Good basketball being played, you know, a little more not as refined as, I guess, UCLA's pretty strict John Wooden running plays, more, you know, street ball, more fast break. Other teams, other districts, you know, ACC have to catch up. You know, ACC has always been a pretty staid offensive, you know, Dean Smith at Carolina, Mike Krzyzewski at Duke, you know, running set plays. You know, Big East comes in, fast break basketball. You know, here we go. Greatest show on turf, if you will. You know, change <laughs> change, change, college basketball. You know, now everyone's up-tempo. Um, you know, the ACC, I love watching the ACC uh, 
play well. I'm a, I'm a Carolina fan. You know, I'm not really a U of L fan or a UK fan. I pull for both. I'm I'm happy to see Alabama having a good run. You know, they've never experienced much success in the in the uh, tournament. So, you know, that's one of the traditions I like about it. When a team makes a Cinderella run, you know, Florida Gulf Coast University. Oh, you know, great. you know, and and the funny thing is, their coach uh, at um, Florida Gulf Coast parlayed himself into a pretty good job at USC. You know. Uh, he's from my area back home. He's from Shippensburg, Pennsylvania. So, okay. you know, a local kid, you know, did well there. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I like about the tournament. Not so much memories of certain teams. I like, you know, you, you alluded back to the, the Duke, Kentucky, when Leitner turns around and, and busts a three-pointer at the buzzer in that dude's face, you know. Right. People still hate Christian Leitner. You know, you watch that 30 for 30, you know, people from Kentucky, they, they believe that stuff. You know, great memory of the tournament. But, you know, I like the Cinderella stories, the, the teams, the Loyola of Chicago, you know, with the singing nun or whatever. She was on the sidelines, they're cheering under her blanket and stuff. You know, that's, that's the stuff I like about the tournament. You know, if you, if you, if you luck out and hit the right winners in the tournament bracket, you win some good money too. So you never know. There's money to be made this year. There's a lot of long shots. You brought up Loyola of Chicago. So just to piggyback to back to present day right now they're they're just about in the top 20 they're 19 and four so they're going to be right there this year they're going to be a top team they'll be a who knows a four seed a five seed something in that you know depending how the last week or two here shakes out and what the the people who see the tournament how they look at Loyola of Chicago but that's an that's a program that you know you've heard from you haven't heard in the past but you've heard the last few years and like you said the Cinderella stories are tremendous um Let's just point of clarity. Wouldn't won ten because okay. remember then they had the Ed O'Bannon team <laughs> that won at UCLA. That was UCLA's eleventh because UCLA has the record. They have eleven championships. That's number one on the list. But ten of them came from John Wooden. And listen to this, Shats. From 1964 through 1975, that 12 year stretch, UCLA won the national championship ten out of those 12 years, including a stretch of one, two, three, four, five, seven in a row. When they basically never lost the game and they won the championship every year for <laughs> wow. seven years in a row. I think Jabbar, who back then was called Lou Alcindor, you know, you weren't he wasn't eligible as a freshman. So right. he played on the varsity sophomore, junior, and senior years. I think he went eighty-eight and two, maybe, in his entire <laughs> UCLA career. And the two the two if you Google it, if you talk to people who really know, if you listen, if you go back and recent the two best college basketball players of all time are probably Jabbar, number one, and Bill Walton, number two. And they basically went side-by-side, back-to-back with each other at UCLA. So Wooden right. had, in a seven- or eight-year stretch, had you know his Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth hitting back-to-back with each other, right. which is why UCLA was so dominant. Um, Bill Walton. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a, there a whole other show talking about, talking about that character. I remember... I remember back when, you know, we were just talking a little bit the other day. If you go back to the early 80s, I remember from about 1982 and on. So I remember the Georgetown-North Carolina game very well um, because you had big stars. You had Worthy. You had Patrick Ewing as a freshman. You had Michael Jordan as a freshman. Um, Although at that point, Patrick Ewing was the bigger name than Michael Jordan, no question about it. Right. And and even if if Jordan would have stayed to his senior year, he came out after his junior year. So he was in the 84 draft. If he'd have been in the 85 draft, he at best would have been a number two pick because there's no way anybody was getting picked number one ahead of Patrick Ewing. He was literally, everybody thought, the generational talent and the guy you had to have. But right. if you look back from 1982 through about eh, through the 89 when you had the Michigan-Seton Hall game, there was a great tournament final every year. I mean, every game was one point, two points. Well, you had one that was a nine-point. Georgetown beat Houston a little lopsided. Back to a two-point victory. Three, one. In other words, every year, it was some fantastic finish in the last college basketball game of the year. And then you rolled right into the 90s with great UNLV teams. They had some dominant teams. They only won one championship, but they had a, a run there with, you know, Grandma Ma, Larry Johnson, that was <laughs> as good as any team going. Stacy um, <laughs> Plastic Man. Yeah. Absolutely. You had... Uh, Anderson Hunt at a guard position. You had the who's the other the point Greg Anthony, who's now yeah. you know played the Knicks and he's now a pretty decent broadcaster. I actually yeah. like Greg Anthony. Uh-huh. Here's the other guy. Just just the segue real quick. I don't know if everybody would agree with this. I loved him as a player at Michigan. Yeah, he made a really bad move when he called a timeout and didn't have any left. I like Chris Weber a lot as an analyst. 
Yeah. I don't know what you – I think he's very good. My son actually agrees with me too. I, I think a lot of people haven't maybe listened to him. or He's very underrated. I think he's a really good analyst on the game. Yeah, I don't mind him. I like Chris Weber. He's fun. He actually has a little bit of a sense of humor too, which I, I kind of like. He's not silly, but he, he's right. got a little good sense of humor. He takes things in stride. I mean, like you said, he's always going to be known for that timeout thing. I mean, yep. that, that poor dude, every tournament game – he gets brought out. I mean, it's like let's let's beat another dead horse. And Chris Weber, <laughs> uh, Chris Weber, timeouts. You know, Chris Weber, timeouts. I mean, that's out, out of the huddle. And don't pull a Weber and call a timeout. We got <laughs> yeah. none left. Yeah. I mean, if, if he got a royalty every time his name was mentioned somewhere, like you know, <laughs> when they play your songs on the radio, you get like one penny or whatever as your songwriter. I mean, if everyone, if he, if he got a mention every time someone said Chris Weber and timeout, he'd be a millionaire. Well, wait, I think he it, is one. I think- <laughs> I think there he is. Well, yeah. Uh, going back to that team, I love the Michigan team. The whole and there's another great thirty for thirty or Sports Century or whatever it yeah. was. But if you go back and watch on the cultural impact, just them wearing, you know, the baggy pants, the black socks, everything about that Michigan team. I think they made the the finals that year when all those guys were freshmen. Jawan Howard, um, Jalen Rose, that whole squad. When they were freshmen, they made it as about a five or six seed, I think, and almost knocked off, I guess, who did they play that year? Was that when they played, I guess they played Duke in that Duke, first. yeah. They played Duke. Duke. They lost to Duke, and they, then they yeah. lost to North Carolina with the timeout one. Yeah. Um, they came up short in both, but, man, that was a fun team to watch. You had the Duke teams with Hurley, Leitner, Grant Hill, Cherokee Parks, all those crazy Cher- you know. Cherokee Parks. <laughs> <laughs> What's the last What's the last no time one, you mentioned that name? Uh, about 25 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> no one's mentioned Cherokee Park's name in the last decade, let alone, you know, within any time recently. But I doubt, had, li- I doubt he's listening, but I hope he is. That would be great. Hey, if he's listening, here's my cell phone. Give me a call. <laughs> yeah, you, you had great games and great teams. And like we alluded to before, I think a big part of it was the fact that you got to really understand who these programs were year by year by year. You knew who Bobby Hurley was. He was the point guard at Duke. They won it last year. They're the number two seed this year. They're Whatever it is, Duke always went tearing through the East Regional at the Meadowlands. It seemed like every year they were the number one seed. Like you said, Brendan Byrne Arena, they were always in East Rutherford. They were always seeded number one in the East, and they always came out unscathed. They were in the Final Four, it seemed like, every year with Coach K. But you had guys, my point is, you had guys that stayed at the program year after year after year. You got to know teams. You got to really look forward to who was coming back. Not who's coming in, and I got to memorize the names of one-and-done guys, but who's coming back to try to win it as a senior because they haven't quite gotten over the hump yet. And I think that takes something away from college basketball. I think it adds to the fact when you see some of these mid-major teams and you see some of these upset specials and teams busting bubbles, of Kentucky and Michigan State going out early and all the because those those teams have guys that haven't gelled. They're playing with a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that barely know each other, and they're going up against a program that has six seniors on it that right. all came in as as true freshmen together, and they've worked the playbook. They've gone through the struggles. They've lifted weights. They've bonded with each other, and they're saying. There is no way in hell we're going out like this. We're going to give you our best effort. You get some other teams that the guys are already thinking about my next shoe contract. Am I going to be a lottery pick? Hey, I'll see you in the NBA, but, you know, let's not work too hard here. And maybe that's a little bit of an overgeneralization, but I think there is a lot of truth and a lot of fact to the point that guys that stay in college basketball, it adds to – it makes college basketball a better sport. And in some ways, I think it makes the NBA a better sport because you get guys that are coming into the pros better prepared to play. What are your thoughts about that? Well, I I like it. I mean, look at the Garza kid in Iowa. I mean, he's been there four years. He's going to get drafted and and go high. And Iowa is a legitimate chance to win the championship. They're a pretty good team. You know, Uh, Alabama, Alabama has John Petty. And John Petty has been at Alabama, it feels like, another guy, seven years. I remember when I lived in Alabama in 2013, I felt like John Petty was playing basketball down there. But he's a senior. You know, he's going to go to the NBA. Alabama has a legitimate chance to win because they have some senior senior leadership. These, like you said, these mid-major teams who might have these guys who weren't very good as freshmen, but they develop, they work the plan, they things like that. Teams like that, yes, I'm all about it. Love it. I'm, I'm I agree with you 100. I know we're supposed to battle each other on certain things, but you know, for once, you're actually speaking a good, you know, some good truth there. 
for once. Thanks. And, and, if, and if you want to watch some college basketball tonight leading into the tournament, it looks like we got Arkansas and Alabama are playing tonight. Alabama's six in the country. It's at Arkansas. It looks like they're 20th in the country. Now, Arkansas used to be a great program, too. You had Nolan Richardson with its 40, 40 minutes of hell where he yes. just put better athletes on the floor than everybody else and had Todd Day and Quirlis Williamson and, you know, President Clinton, I guess it wasn't he president at the time because he was an Arkansas guy. He was showing up with his saxophone and cheering on the Razorbacks. <laughs> I'm sure he was. Probably passed yeah. out cigars in the parking lot, too. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, we'll leave that alone. But you got Arkansas, Alabama tonight. You got Michigan and Michigan, Iowa State. got a big game coming up, I think, this weekend or maybe Thursday or Friday night, which should be somewhat telling as we get ready to go into the tournament. Two, you know, Michigan's a t one of the one of the top uh, favored teams other than Baylor and Gonzaga. Michigan's right up there in terms of the odds on favorites. I watched that Michigan-Ohio State game this weekend. Good game. R really good game. Well played. You know, I'm not, I'm not a Big Ten guy, but Big Ten has some good basketball too. So, don't like I said, don't sleep on Michigan. Ohio State could cause some problems. You know, uh, no one else in the big – Wisconsin usually is pretty good around the tournament time. I don't know if they're, what their record is like right now, if they're going to make it or not. But, you know, Big Ten basketball is not bad this year either. I, I, I agree. I mean, Michigan, uh, it's Michigan. Though. I really can't root for Michigan, you know, but it, it's Michigan's Michigan. Wisconsin will be there. They're 16 and 8. They're in the top 25. And, like, yeah, you brought up a good point. Wisconsin is a program that year in, year in and year out, they seem to be – one of the teams that you really don't want to see in your side of the bracket because they always put up a good defensive effort. Um, they play good, solid defense. They rebound the ball well. They usually hit their foul shots. They're a, a good, disciplined team. Um, foul shooting is another big thing in the tournament because when you come down to the end of games and it becomes, and sometimes it becomes a foul shooting contest and who can sink their shots and who is letting the other team back in because they're missing front ends of a one-on-one. -on -one. They're leaving points open at the foul line. That is something to take a look at, too. So it should be a good tournament. I, I like the fact you brought up Alabama. I didn't think about them that much going into it, but I think you're right. If they have if they have guard play, if they can get hot and shoot. Now, look, they might get cold and go, you know, three of 15 yes. from behind the arc. Uh -huh. that, can that can happen to anybody. But if they get hot, you know, watch out because teams like that can absolutely make a quick run in the tournament. And you start you get a little momentum. You get... Uh, a soft matchup maybe, or you, you catch a team at just the right time. It only takes one or two wins to really build your confidence. And you start thinking, Hey, why not us? We can do this just as well as anybody else can. Right. Well, so, I mean, I, I agree. Go ahead. I, I'm, I'm, no, I, I was just, to, go ahead. I was just going to say, we were talking a little bit about high school basketball. We said we yes. wanted to talk about a little bit, but you know, we brought up Indiana before we brought up, you know, in North Carolina and Kentucky and some of these places where high school basketball is crazy. So two things that always stand out in my mind with high school basketball. Number one is, and there's a documentary on it. I haven't watched it, but it's supposedly very good. I think it's called Poetic Justice. One of the best high school teams of all time, probably the best high school basketball team of all time, was Dunbar High from Baltimore. Yep. They had mugs in a two-year stretch. I don't believe they lost. They had Muggsy Bogues, they had David Wingate, they had Reggie Williams. David Wingate and Reggie Williams both went on to major scholarships and you know lottery picks playing for Georgetown. Muggsy Bogues played at Wake Forest, uh, had a very good, if you know, sometimes yeah. people poke fun at him. He's only five foot three. The guy had a very good NBA career. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Playing if you know, just think about that. You're five feet three inches tall playing professional basketball, and you're not there just as a showpiece. You're there because you've earned it. Right. They also had Reggie Lewis, who was the guy who Boston drafted, who then yep. died. The, they had a high school basketball team with four guys who ended up being lottery picks in the NBA. Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School in Baltimore in the early to mid-80s was arguably the best high school basketball team ever. And they said they used to walk on the court, and they would see Muggsy Bogues would come out first, and other teams would laugh at this. This is your point guard? This is what you're bringing out, leading the team? And all of a sudden, it would be 26-3, to three, and the yeah. other team was like, what the heck just hit us? And nobody could compete with them. So that's an interesting one. Here's the other one, my favorite high school story of all time. Do you know who Damon Bailey is? You know Damon the story ba of Damon Bailey? The play Indiana? Yep. Yeah. So – he went to Indiana. He was on the cover, not on the cover, but he was featured in Sports Illustrated because he was in John Feinstein's book, A Season on the Brink, where Feinstein went around for the entire season and wrote a book about Bobby Knight and the University of Indiana. 
Well, Bobby Knight went to go watch Damon Bailey play as a seventh grader. He showed up at a middle school one night and they said, whoa, Bobby Knight. You know, Bobby Knight walks into a gym in Indiana right. High School. Yeah. Everybody stops and especially back then. This was in his heyday. Yeah. He, ma he made the comment after the game. Damon Bailey is better than any guard I have at Indiana now. I don't mean potentially better. I mean he could play for me right now as a seventh grader. Well, instantly, the kid became a superstar and a god in Indiana. He goes through his entire high school career. Get a load of this. He is four times first-team All-State. He's first-team All-State as a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, and a senior in a state like Indiana. He goes on to score over 3,000 points. In his senior year, like a Hoosiers kind of moment, he goes out and leads his team to the Indiana High School Championship. They played the game in front of 42,000 people. It was the most highly attended high school basketball game ever. He scored like the last nine or ten points of the game. And literally at the end, you watch him walk into the crowd and hug his mom and dad with the trophy. It was like the ultimate Cinderella moment. Damon Bailey, one of the great high school players of all time, just a couple little fun high school basketball stories as we kind of segue away from college. I hear you. Well, you know, in Indiana, they don't do it anymore, but they back when he won it, they used to do they, they do their state tournament like Kentucky does. Kentucky has the state broken down into 16 districts. So you could be a 6A team or a 1A team. If you win your region, or I'm sorry, 16 regions, if you win your region tournament, no matter if you're 1A or 6A, you go to the state tournament, it's part of the Sweet 16. Like actually, the state of Kentucky uh, branded that term. The sweet before NCAA uses it. So whenever the NCAA uses it, they pay the state of Kentucky, like the like high school association, a, a licensing fee, by the way. A little tidbit for you. But Kentucky used to do it, or Indiana used to do it like that too, where you know they broke it down like the top 16 teams or whatever, the top 15 teams played. So when 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 you win a state tournament like that, small school kid, that a little special, you know. But t t tell me the story about the kid you watched play yesterday uh, on. So my son is. Speaking of high school basketball. Yep, my son is playing freshman freshman basketball. They had a game against Souderton, and I believe that the kid is an I'm not I'm not sure. I believe he's an eighth grader playing up with freshman. Uh Wilt Chamberlain, I believe he's Wilt Chamberlain's grandson. This kid was, you could just tell he's destined, you know, obviously Wilt Chamberlain is your grandfather. You have basketball in your blood. You have perfect genes to be tall and be physical and be athletic. This kid was tremendous to watch. Playing against older kids, he had like 23 points at halftime by himself. Uh, and I think when you see talent like that, you know, it's, if you know, if you see somebody that's going to end up being bound for the NBA or bound for the NFL or whatever, I think you recognize it at a very early level that this kid is just far and away better than anybody he's playing with, even playing against older kids or whatever it may be. Talk about Damon Bailey. That's how he right. used to be. Exactly. He played four years in AAU. His team, I think, lost one game in four years. He basically was playing with kids three, four years older and was by far the best kid on the court. That's a really rare, God-given athletic ability that you don't see that often. Um, saw a glimpse of it yesterday. Now, whether this kid ends up, you know, what his high school career turns out to be, we certainly wish him the best of luck. He's, he's certainly off to a good start and has a bright future. But it just goes to show you, too, how many guys have stories like that and even were high draft picks or whatever it may be, and it just never quite worked out for them. In order to get to that level, you really have to be the best of the best. Well, ball, ball don't lie, Craig. Ball don't lie. So, you know. <laughs> well, who's, who's some of the guys you've seen? I mean, you, you talked about in our one episode, you, you, you knew of, you watched and you did the games for Corey Seager in baseball. Corey Seager. I mean, yep. I mean, now, was he a basketball player too? Did he do basketball? Yeah. All the Seagers played basketball. They all could shoot. They all were rangy athletes. You know, I tried to get them all to play football. I, I didn't know the older brother. Kyle Seeger wasn't at Northwestern. I was there. He'd already graduated. was at Carolina. But I had Justin and Corey in class, and I announced the home baseball games. And they were just – and I did the basketball games too. So I watched them do basketball. I watched them do – they could all shoot. I mean, Justin Seeger, in my opinion, was probably the better of the three in terms of basketball ability. But okay. Corey, could, Corey could just flat out shoot the ball. But Justin was just a big physical body, a big brute – you know, you watch him do uh, all multiple sports, Corey Seager. Look where he is now. Bradley Pinion, you know, the punter for the Buccaneers. You know, we, we plucked him off the damn JV soccer team as a freshman because we needed someone for the JV football team to, to punt and kick. Now the guys make winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady, you know, chilling in the locker room with, with TB12, you know, stuff like that. You know, 
you know, talent, you know, when you see it, hopefully that kid, like you said, I remember when you sent me that text yesterday about Wilt Chamberlain's grandson, I'm like, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, hopefully he lives up to the hype. You know, we're both basketball parent, high school basketball parents, you know, uh, my son may explore doing some AAU basketball that kind of frightens me and excites, excites me at the same time. I mean, I don't think Luke's a marquee talent, but he's a good basketball player and he likes to play and he wants to do some travel ball this year. So I don't know what your experience with AAU basketball have been, but you know, we're excited about it, but also very hesitant, you know, the travel, the cost, the playing sure. time, you know, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. No doubt. You get, you got to get a good coach. And my son has played AAU ball for several years now. We've had some really good experiences. Some that were, you know, I'm going to say bad experiences, but, you know, less than stellar. Um, there's a team starting up here soon, and he's got a great coach and a great set of friends, and they should be, you know, competitive. And, and you don't even care at that point. As a parent, at least, you want, always want to see your kid win, of course. You'd rather win than lose. But you want to see the kids playing the right way. You want to see them enjoying themselves. You want to see them playing hard, um, facing adversity, everything like that. Right. Um, I'll tell you quick. So, so he, my son was playing AAU team. This was about two or three years ago. They were in the finals against a team that had beaten them twice in the regular season. This was like the only, they had a couple other losses, but their record was almost unblemished, un, unblemished other than this one team. So this was their third time going up against them. Last play of the first quarter, my son heaves up a desperate, you know, three quarter court at the buzzer shot, falls short, comes down. Falls on the kid's ankle, rolls his ankle. He's at center court. He can't get up. Oh. You wait a couple minutes. You don't want to go rushing right out there. He's not, you know, four years old. You got to wait as a dad. I finally go out and I said, come on, I literally carry him into the hallway and I'm talking to him. The game is going on. And it's a close game. It's back and forth. We're up two. We're down three, yada, yada, yada. I said, I said, Ryan, are you hurt or are you injured? And he looked <laughs> at me and he said, dad, I'm only hurt. I want to play. I didn't get back in for the second quarter because by the time we came back into gym and put some ice on it, it was almost halftime. Mike, the kid played the entire second half. He played point guard the entire second half. He had about four or five assists. I don't think he turned the ball over once. He had a key three-pointer that put him up for good. He played his heart out. And as a parent, it was about just about as good of a moment as you could share with your son just because he faced some adversity. Um, he didn't, you know, he didn't quit. He didn't say, I don't want to go back in. And then he led his team to a really tough victory. So that, that's one memory of AAU that always stands out. But I think it's very important that you know what you're getting into. Because like you said, there is a cost. There is a travel commitment. You're going to get cutthroat competition. You're going to be going up against some kids that you say, wow, I thought my kid was really good. And he's barely getting any playing time all of a sudden. Right. And deservedly so. Because if there's a better kid out there and they're doing it the right way, you know, you got to compete. But I think it can be a very good thing. And if you get the right coach, I think it could be a great thing. So good luck to Ryan. Good luck to Luke. Um, does Grant do basketball too? I know we're always talking about Luke because him and Ryan are the same age. Is Grant is Grant a basketball player? No, Grant's a baseball player and football player where Luke's a basketball player and a football player. So they both okay. they both play football, but they both play separate sports. And they've all they've grew up playing all of them, but like Grant got cut from the from the seventh grade team this year for the second time in a row. So we're like, dude, you know. Let's let's focus on so baseball. Is, he's good at baseball. You know, we played some AAU baseball, some travel baseball this summer. Had a great time. Played some local tournaments, but the families we've played with on this baseball team, we've played with for years. You know, we right. played in diff different leagues in the local little league, and we made this travel team. So, you know, I, I support it. I know a lot of people call it daddy ball. So I'm not involved. If he through this travel team, he's going to go try out for. I have no involvement. It's like I'm just a, a fan. No, no coercion by me as a as a coach or an assistant coach. So if he makes the team, great. If he doesn't make it, then hey, you know, he made the freshman team this year. So we'll see what happens. But you know, it's it's basketball season, everybody. So you know, you're listening to episode four of Over Under. I'm Mike Schatzer, my man Craig Mesmer on the other microphone over there, talking to us about college basketball, some high school basketball. Craig, what's your last tidbit before we leave for the day? So let me give you something interesting here. You talk about high school basketball crazy, and we opened the show a little bit talking. We mentioned Indiana. You said you're never going to move to Indiana, even though you've <laughs> lived in basketball country all your life. Get a load of this. If you look at – I'm looking, taking this off of Wikipedia, just as some, a little side note thing I found that I've heard before, but I wanted to go back and check it. If you look at the list of the largest high school gymnasiums in the United States in terms of indoor seating capacity, of the top 12 – 
they're all about 7,000, anywhere from seven to 8,000 seats, which is a huge high school gym when you really think about how many people are fitting in a field house or whatever right. you want to call it at that level. Out of those 12, 11 of them are in the state of Indiana. Hmm. What does that tell you about how Indiana right. as a state feels about high school basketball? That's, that's called prioritizing. Well, it's the same thing in Texas with high school football stadiums. Sure. You know, yep. you look at look at the same list, one of the biggest high school football stadiums in the country. Texas, you know, they're all huge. So you're right. Basketball is big in Indiana. You know, I have some friends who coach football over in Indiana. They, they seem to support them well. But you're right. Basketball's crazy in Indiana. So, you know, there we are. And this, and this year we got the, you know, just to circle back, we got all the tournament games, all the March Madness games are going to be held in the state of Indiana. They got a couple in Lucas Oil Stadium where the Colts play. They're setting up a couple indoor courts there. Um, they got Bankers Life Fieldhouse. They got different colleges that are using their gyms. And the interesting thing, when they set these, these courts up in Lucas Oil Stadium, the backdrop is much different. If you're a shooter, and you're used to seeing a backdrop that only goes back a hundred feet before you see the stand, the, before you see the crowd, and you're at the foul line, and now all of a sudden it goes back three hundred feet, and you have this cavernous arena around you. It creates a very different visual as you're eyeing up your shot, and through the transparent backboard, you're getting a very different depth of field perception. You might see in some of these stadiums. You might see some shooters that are normally draining these threes and hitting their foul shots. The shooting may be a little off in some of these places just because they're playing basketball inside a football stadium, and it just might not be visually what the players are used to. So just huh. something to think about. But the entire tournament will be held in the state of Indiana. Let's hope we get a full tournament. Let's hope we get a great tournament. You want to give us one pick? Who do you got? Other than, let's say, other than Gonzaga and Baylor, do you have a pick on who you think is going to win it? Uh... Like I said before, Iowa's good. Alabama's good. My two sleeper picks, right, right there. I, I'll go along with you. Here's let me let me just. I mean, we talked about Loyola of Chicago. I don't know if they're going to have the horses to ultimately run with some of these, you know, tried and true programs. Um, how about Creighton? Creighton's a team that is Creighton. basketball crazy. Um, they've been there many times. They've had a pretty solid season. I might throw them out as, you know, if you take a look at DraftKings or whatever and look at the odds going into the tournament, you might get some really long odds. You throw down 20 bucks on a team and you might win a couple hundred or whatever right. it turns out to be based on some long odds. So we'll do more college basketball and more specific tournament-related matchups and predictions and analysis and recaps probably in the weeks to come. We still have a couple weeks before Selection Sunday, so definitely looking forward to it. Yes, sir, Craig. Good talking to you as usual. Everyone, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell your friends over under Sports Podcast. I'm Mike Schatzer. That's Craig Mesmer. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We will talk to you soon.